book five chapters fourteen through sixteen of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book five the third extract from kachorin's diary princess mary chapter fourteen june twenty second at last they have arrived i was sitting by the window when i heard the clattering of their carriage my heart throbbed what does it mean can it be that i am in love i am so stupidly constituted that such a thing might be expected of me i dined at their house princess ligovsky looked at me with much tenderness and did not leave her daughter's side a bad sign on the other hand vera is jealous of me in regard to princess mary however i have been striving for that good fortune what will not a woman do in order to chagrin her rival i remember that once a woman loved me simply because i was in love with another woman there is nothing more paradoxical than the female mind it is difficult to convince a woman of anything they have to be led into convincing themselves the order of the proofs by which they demolish their prejudices is most original to learn their dialectic it is necessary to overthrow in your own mind every scholastic rule of logic for example the usual way this man loves me but i am married therefore i must not love him the woman's way i must not love him because i am married but he loves me therefore a few dots here because reason has no more to say but generally there is something to be said by the tongue and the eyes and after these the heart if there is such a thing what if these notes should one day meet a woman's eye slander she will exclaim indignantly ever since poets have written and women have read them for which the poet should be most deeply grateful women have been called angels so many times that in very truth in their simplicity of soul they have believed the compliment forgetting that for money the same poets have glorified nero as a demigod it would be unreasonable were i to speak of women with such malignity i who have loved nothing else in the world i who have always been ready to sacrifice for their sake ease ambition life itself but you see i am not endeavouring in a fit of vexation and injured vanity to pluck from them the magic veil through which only an accustomed glance can penetrate no all that i can say about them is but the result of a mind which coldly hath observed a heart which bears the stamp of woe women ought to wish that all men knew them as well as i because i have loved them a hundred times better since i have ceased to be afraid of them and have comprehended their little weaknesses by the way the other day werner compared women to the enchanted forest of which tasso tells us in his jerusalem delivered so soon as you approach he said from all directions terrors such as i pray heaven may preserve us from will take wing at you duty pride decorum public opinion ridicule contempt you must simply go straight on without looking at them gradually the monsters disappear and before you opens a bright and quiet glade in the midst of which blooms the green myrtle on the other hand woe to you if at the first steps your heart trembles and you turn back chapter fifteen june twenty fourth this evening has been fertile in events about three versts from kislovodsk in the gorge through which the podkumok flows there is a cliff called the ring it is a naturally formed gate rising upon a lofty hill 
and through it the setting sun throws its last flaming glance upon the world a numerous cavalcade set off thither to gaze at the sunset through the rock window to tell the truth not one of them was thinking about the sun i rode beside princess mary on the way home we had to ford the podkumok mountain streams even the smallest are dangerous especially so because the bottom is a perfect kaleidoscope it changes every day owing to the pressure of the current where yesterday there was a rock to-day there is a cavity i took princess mary's horse by the bridle and led it into the water which came no higher than its knees we began to move slowly in a slanting direction against the current it is a well-known fact that in crossing rapid streamlets you should never look at the water because if you do your head begins to whirl directly i forgot to warn princess mary of that we had reached the middle and were right in the vortex when suddenly she reeled in her saddle i feel ill she said in a faint voice i bent over to her rapidly and threw my arm around her supple waist look up i whispered it is nothing just be brave i am with you she grew better she was about to disengage herself from my arm but i clasped her tender soft figure in a still closer embrace my cheek almost touched hers from which was wafted flame what are you doing to me oh heaven i paid no attention to her alarm and confusion and my lips touched her tender cheek she shuddered but said nothing we were riding behind the others nobody saw us when we made our way out on the bank the horses were all put to the trot princess mary kept hers back i remained beside her it was evident that my silence was making her uneasy but i swore to myself that i would not speak a single word out of curiosity i wanted to see how she would extricate herself from that embarrassing position either you despise me or you love me very much she said at length and there were tears in her voice perhaps you want to laugh at me to excite my soul and then to abandon me that would be so base so vile that the mere supposition oh no she added in a voice of tender trustfulness there is nothing in me which would preclude respect is it not so your presumptuous action i must i must forgive you for it because i permitted it answer speak i want to hear your voice there was such womanly impatience in her last words that involuntarily i smiled happily it was beginning to grow dusk i made no answer you are silent she continued you wish perhaps that i should be the first to tell you that i love you i remained silent is that what you wish she continued turning rapidly towards me there was something terrible in the determination of her glance and voice why i answered shrugging my shoulders she struck her horse with her riding whip and set off at full gallop along the narrow dangerous road it all happened so quickly that i was scarcely able to overtake her and then only by the time she had joined the rest of the company all the way home she was continually talking and laughing there was something feverish in her movements not once did she look in my direction everybody observed her unusual gaiety princess ligovsky rejoiced inwardly as she looked at her daughter however the latter simply has a fit of nerves she will spend a sleepless night and will weep this thought affords me measureless delight there are moments when i understand the vampire and yet i am reputed to be a good fellow and i strive to earn that designation on dismounting the ladies went into princess ligovsky's house i was excited and i galloped to the mountains in order to dispel the thoughts which had thronged into my head the dewy evening breathed an intoxicating coolness the moon was rising from behind the dark summits 
each step of my unshod horse resounded hollowly in the silence of the gorges i watered the horse at the waterfall and then after greedily inhaling once or twice the fresh air of the southern night i set off on my way back i rode through the village the lights in the windows were beginning to go out the sentries on the fortress rampart and the cossacks in the surrounding pickets were calling out in drawling tones to one another in one of the village houses built at the edge of a ravine i noticed an extraordinary illumination at times discordant murmurs and shouting could be heard proving that a military carouse was in full swing i dismounted and crept up to the window the shutter had not been made fast and i could see the banqueters and catch what they were saying they were talking about me the captain of dragoons flushed with wine struck the table with his fist demanding attention gentlemen he said this won't do pechorin must be taught a lesson these petersburg fledglings always carry their heads high until they get a slap in the face he thinks that because he always wears clean gloves and polished boots he is the only one who has ever lived in society and what a haughty smile all the same i am convinced that he is a coward yes a coward i think so too said grushnitski he is fond of getting himself out of trouble by pretending to be only having a joke i once gave him such a talking to that any one else in his place would have cut me to pieces on the spot but pechorin turned it all to the ridiculous side i of course did not call him out because that was his business but he did not care to have anything more to do with it grushnitski is angry with him for having captured princess mary from him somebody said that's a new idea it is true i did run after princess mary a little but i left off at once because i do not want to get married and it is against my rules to compromise a girl yes i assure you that he is a coward of the first water i mean pechorin not grushnitski but grushnitski is a fine fellow and besides he is my true friend the captain of dragoons went on gentlemen nobody here stands up for him nobody so much the better would you like to put his courage to the test it would be amusing we would but how listen here then grushnitski in particular is angry with him therefore to grushnitski falls the chief part he will pick a quarrel over some silly trifle or other and will challenge pechorin to a duel wait a bit here is where the joke comes in he will challenge him to a duel very well the whole proceeding challenge preparations conditions will be as solemn and awe-inspiring as possible i will see to that i will be your second my poor friend very well only here is the rub we will put no bullets in the pistols i can answer for it that pechorin will turn coward i will place them six paces apart devil take it are you agreed gentlemen splendid idea agreed and why not came from all sides and you grushnitski tremblingly i awaited grushnitski's answer i was filled with cold rage at the thought that but for an accident i might have made myself the laughing-stock of those fools if grushnitski had not agreed i should have thrown myself upon his neck but after an interval of silence he rose from his place extended his hand to the captain and said very gravely very well i agree it would be difficult to describe the enthusiasm of that honourable company i returned home agitated by two different feelings the first was sorrow why do they all hate me i thought why have i affronted any one no can it be that i am one of those men the mere sight of whom is enough to create animosity and i felt a venomous rage gradually filling my soul have a care mr grushnitski i said 
walking up and down the room i am not to be jested with like this you may pay dearly for the approbation of your foolish comrades i am not your toy i got no sleep that night by daybreak i was as yellow as an orange in the morning i met princess mary at the well you are ill she said looking intently at me i did not sleep last night nor i either i was accusing you perhaps groundlessly but explain yourself i can forgive you everything 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 only speak the truth and be quick you see i have been thinking a good deal trying to explain to justify your behaviour perhaps you are afraid of opposition on the part of my relations that will not matter when they learn her voice shook i will win them over by entreaties or is it your own position but you know that i can sacrifice everything for the sake of the man i love oh answer quickly have pity you do not despise me do you she seized my hand princess ligovsky who was walking in front of us with vera's husband and had not seen anything but we might have been observed by some of the invalids who were strolling about the most inquisitive gossips of all inquisitive folk and i rapidly disengaged my hand from her passionate pressure i will tell you the whole truth i answered i will not justify myself nor explain my actions i do not love you her lips grew slightly pale leave me she said in a scarcely audible voice i shrugged my shoulders turned round and walked away chapter sixteen june twenty fifth i sometimes despise myself is not that the reason why i despise others also i have grown incapable of noble impulses i am afraid of appearing ridiculous to myself in my place another would have offered princess mary his heart and his fortune but over me the word mary has a kind of magical power however passionately i love a woman if she only gives me to feel that i have to marry her then farewell love my heart is turned to stone and nothing will warm it anew i am prepared for any other sacrifice but that my life twenty times over nay my honour i would stake on the fortune of a card but my freedom i will never sell why do i prize it so highly what is there in it to me for what am i preparing myself what do i hope for from the future in truth absolutely nothing it is a kind of innate dread an inexplicable prejudice there are people you know who have an unaccountable dread of spiders beetles mice shall i confess it when i was but a child a certain old woman told my fortune to my mother she predicted for me death from a wicked wife i was profoundly struck by her words at the time an irresistible repugnance to marriage was born within my soul meanwhile something tells me that her prediction will be realized i will try at all events to arrange that it shall be realized as late in life as possible end of book five chapter sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine